it seems like we're also like uh, updating our definition of what is doing science, who can be considered a scientist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important as well, because when you define science a certain way, then nobody has done or, or has the knowledge of this thing until you have white people from another country come in and take samples and leave. Mm-hmm. Then, then finally that's science when um, there are, are people who know, okay, if I do this, then this animal is going to, to show up. I'm going to have this animal here um, and it's beneficial for X, Y, Z. And that mm-hmm. is science as well. It's, it's in, I guess you could call it informal science if you, if you want to, but it still is um, a type of science. Hey friends, and welcome to the Modern Medusa podcast. Welcome back to the Modern Medusa podcast. This is your host, Dominique DeFalco of DeFalco Reptiles. I am so excited for today's episode. Um, This is going to be an episode I've been really looking forward to and someone I've really admired for a while now. Um, We're going to be interviewing another incredible scientist. But before I tell you more about her, I just want to remind you to please take a look at our social media, the Modern Medusa podcast on Instagram. And if you feel so inclined, please check us out on Patreon. Patreon helps me so much to be able to put on the podcast, you know, make this more sustainable and hopefully, you know, actually put out more episodes more frequently. But today we're going to be interviewing um, the incredible Chelsea Connor. Chelsea is a scientist. She's a wildlife advocate and she's also an advocate for black people in the, I think it was referred to as nature enthusiast community with her incredible work with black AF and STEM and then black birders week. So I've admired Chelsea's work for a while now, and I can't wait to talk more about that. And then also her incredible research on two types of anole species to her home country of Dominica. So Chelsea, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so exciting. I love I love getting to talk to people that I haven't like had a lot of interaction with before because we really do get to have like a, a fresh conversation with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And you got up early for me. So I appreciate (laughs) that. (laughs) So Chelsea, I kind of, you know, gave my brief overview of of how I know you um, specifically from Twitter is where I followed you most closely, but can you kind of give, you know, your 30 second, who is Chelsea Connor, if you can possibly do that? Okay. um, Like we said, my name is Chelsea Connor. I'm from the Commonwealth of Dominica. That's not Dominican Republic. It's a completely different Island. Um, I, I've loved nature ever since I was like, I don't know, since I could walk, I guess, maybe. I'm not sure what age it was, but um, I have distinct memories of watching um, Crocodile Hunter, my dad, um, other shows on Discovery Channel, and knowing it's like, that's what I want to do. In some way, I want to be outside with animals doing something, and now I'm here. I, uh, I study anoles, I draw anoles, I draw other things, but I've mostly been drawing anoles mm-hmm. <laughs> recently. And I, I talk a lot um, on, in several places online about 
reptiles and amphibians and being black in um, the outdoor community. Yeah, which is phenomenal. And I think such a great conversation to be having. And I feel honored to help you, you know, talk about that more because what we were discussing earlier is that while you have a really great presence in the uh, SciComm community, the overlap between the SciComm community on Twitter, other places with the private reptile hobbyist, it's not really there. So it's exciting to be able to kind of combine those two and and talk a little bit more. So um, before we get started, because you mentioned that you do artwork, just want to let everyone know, I'm going to be linking Chelsea's Redbubble in the comments uh, of the podcast. So take a look, some really cute stuff. I'll definitely be getting the, uh, I'll definitely be getting a couple things. You have a a don't fuck around, won't find out on a copperhead. And I think that's hilarious. And I definitely need that sticker on my computer. So I actually have it on my laptop too. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. It's, I'm waiting for a new laptop and I have like, so, you know, having reptiles at home, I've got a mini freezer full of dead rats to feed my snakes. (laughs) Just like super cool, sexy single girl things. Um, (laughs) But I need that for, I need that sticker for sure. Oh my gosh. Okay. Like I have, I have uh, dead mice in my freezer because I have a corn snake. So I have uh, corn mice in my freezer and then I have um, mealworms in my fridge for my chameleon. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know you had, uh, you had your own pets. So yeah, how long have, have you had those? I have, um, I have the, a veiled chameleon, a corn snake, uh, my cat who is like ESA slash pet. Um, mm-hmm. And I have a tarantula. <laughs> Are you have a tarantula? What kind of tarantula? Uh, she's a Texas brown tarantula. Oh, that's awesome. I want to add a tarantula, but I currently don't have anything that eats insects. So none of my animals eat insects and I really don't want to deal with bugs again, which is so lame. <laughs> yeah, no, um, the mealworms I can deal with, but like the crickets, they, only because they jump everywhere. I was mm-hmm. like, just please stay in the bowl so that yeah. you can that's all I'm asking for. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've done, I've done the, um, dubia cockroaches and those were pretty good. Like those weren't too difficult. The thing that freaks me out about crickets specifically is like how likely they are to have parasites. And yeah, I had a, okay, this is gross. I don't know why it's always when I talk to a null researcher. So we start talking about parasites, goddamn. But I had, um, a, uh, fish tank a few years ago and I had little shrimp in it and one of my shrimp got a horse hair worm it's it it, it was like the most disgusting thing oh god this is like content warning it it is a worm yeah google it it's a worm that bursts out of the exoskeleton it was like 12 inches long in like the thickness of a hair and it's I got rid of the fish tank I literally couldn't handle it because I don't do worms and I ended up like smashing that thing to pieces and I got rid of the fish tank and I know that crickets can have those kinds of things and I was like yeah we just really don't need any more pets um I've actually had an annul poop parasites on me so oh yeah I was gonna ask you about parasites in your research so we'll definitely get there because I that's like the one I, you know, I love nature, but I just, that's my limit is parasites. I really don't think I could ever research them or do anything with them because they freak me out so much. Uh, yeah. It wasn't my plan to um, investigate parasites. <laughs> I had nothing to do with my research, but 
Leonore was like, you know, I will volunteer some material for you. <laughs> so, like, here's a little fecal sample in case you're interested. So, oh, my God. I was like, oh, they're all wiggles. The, the poop is moving. And then I realized that it's like actually just several words. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> my mouth is like oh, so open. And okay. then she <laughs> did it after that one. So I was like, okay. God, that that okay. The parasite load for it to be passing live parasites like with no intervention must have been insane. It looked terrified. <laughs> yeah, I would also I was like, be Are terrified. you terrified because I caught you? I'm so sorry. And this is yeah. for science. And uh, then I pooped in the past and was like, this might have been the thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, oh my god. Like that's that's one of those things where it's like I really don't know how much I like animals. Maybe I should have picked something better. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, well a brief moment where I like reconsidered my career. I was like, oh, how did I get here? Back on my island, and yet I have animals pooping on me. Yeah. And I'm supposed to collect it. Is this what I want for my life? <laughs> it's it's like one of those things where it's like, um, it's like, you know. Have I gone too far? Have I have I tried too hard? <laughs> I could have done much easier. Hard work gets you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is the hard work worth it? Oh my god, that's too funny. Well, <laughs> let's get a little bit back on track. But uh, I I would love to talk more about. You know, you mentioned that you're growing up in Dominique. Dominique. Oh my god, it should be easier for me to say just my fucking name, Dominica. <laughs> So you grew up in Dominica and it's cool to hear that you kind of had like the similar like budding herper, uh, you know, interest of watching Crocodile Hunter, like seeing animals around you. And that's I think that's great. So specifically in Dominica, I when I was doing a little bit more research before we started talking, you have like a really nice group of flora and fauna. And when it comes to reptiles specifically, it seems like you have like a small but very mighty group of, of reptiles that are native to your area. Um, what was your interaction growing up, like coexisting with these animals in your specific area that you lived in? Was it common to just see like the iguanas or the anoles or was that something you had to go like search for more? So the anoles and like um, other, certain other lizards like the, um, the gecko, um, we have we have the um, what is it, Hamadactylus turks? I can't pronounce it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> and if you're listening and you're wondering, oh man, I don't know how scientists do all this Latin. Sometimes we just don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that makes me feel better because I was definitely <laughs> common house gecko. Yeah, um, has been introduced to my island as well, but we do also have. Um, other gecko species but that was one of the more common ones in urban areas because again they're house gecko that's the type of um, area that they like to have habitat they like mm-hmm. um, but I lived kind of close to I guess you call it forest mm-hmm. kind of close to to several patches of trees um, so I would actually see snakes in my yard um, there's like there was like a mango patch just like two minutes down the hill from where I lived mm-hmm. and me and my mom when it was like mango season we go get mangoes 
And um, I found a couple of snakes and I actually asked her if I could like keep one. It's like, if it's here when we come back, can I have this snake as a pet? And she said, yes. And when we came back, it was there. And she was like, okay, I didn't expect it to be there. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> what a mom answer. She's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Oh, shit. <laughs> right. She was like, expecting to be, because it was just sunning itself. So it was just living. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay. And I, I, I knew it would still be there. It's like, it's not going to go anywhere. Unless something bothers it, that snake is right. not going and sure enough, we come back and it's there. So I'm excited. I was like, oh my God, pet snake. I'm going to make the coolest little enclosure for it. I'm having all these ideas. And she's like, I lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's God, moms. Jeez. Do you know what species it was? I think it was one of the grove snakes. I can look it up real quick. And we can just yeah. out. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm. I was looking, I literally am currently looking at, it is list of amphibians and reptiles of Dominica. I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now. And I, I noticed that you don't have any, um, you don't have any venomous species. Is that correct? No, we don't have any venomous species. Um, so a lot of people will just grab <laughs> animals, <laughs> like, you can't kill me, it'll be fine. Yeah, and you know they're not wrong, but you shouldn't just grow species anyway. Yeah, gentle with your yeah. It's the Julia's ground snake or grove snake. Okay, that's so. If it was a racer, I would not have been able to catch it. It would have been gone a long time ago. Yeah, erasers. I saw a racer. I saw a black racer when I was in Tennessee a couple weeks ago, and it was like. I saw it. No one has proof that I saw it because I literally turned around. And it was absolutely gone. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> full on sprinting and I just wanted to get a picture. And of course it was gone. So you said that you wanted to, to bring this animal home. What was the reptile or pet community like in Dominica? Is it common to see like people have pet snakes or have pet lizards or no? No, it's not very common at all. Um, if you see people with certain kinds of animals, like you might see somebody with a tortoise every now and then, but it's like someone who has a farm and they have lots of outdoor space. So they mm-hmm. have the tortoise outdoors with them as well. They have this large enclosure, um, but common pets are just like dogs and cats. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't very common for anybody to have uh, a reptile at all. Um, I know, like, as I got older, some people started having turtles, um, Mm -hmm. just, like, small uh, river turtles. But um, I can't remember ever seeing anybody have, like, a pet snake. Yeah. But I knew that people in America had pet snakes. I was like, I would like a pet snake. Yeah, it is (laughs) fun. I do do like my pet snakes. So the people who had had pets where you were living... I'm assuming it was all native species. There's no importation of like pet species. Um, we did get a pet store eventually, mm-hmm. but the species that it would import, oh, some people had fish. So species that it import was just like goldfish, um, just like the basic aquarium fish mm-hmm. uh, that you would expect to see and um, like hamsters and gerbils at some point, but mm-hmm. not a lot of them, just like a couple of them because people still weren't sure about, about having <laughs> pets like that quite yet. So then when was it that you, uh, you said that you knew that people like in America had, had pets? What, what was your introduction to that? Like, was it through a uh, crocodile hunter, like you mentioned, or was it through other channels that you realized? Cause I know that you spent the majority of your life in Dominica. Um, when did you come to the U S by the way? 
Um, the first time was, uh, I think it was like 2016. Okay. So you were like an adult. Yes. <laughs> and then I left in 2017 and I ended up being home for Hurricane Maria. And I was like, oh, um, dang. Jeez. And then I... And I was in South Dakota in 2016. And then um, 2018, I went to Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, really fast. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> How does someone <laughs> end up in South Dakota from like a beautiful Caribbean island? <laughs> and then be like, you know what I'm going to do? American dream is South Dakota. <laughs> that seems like the last place I'd want to go. Here's the thing, right? I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> who uh who moved to South Dakota we were friends at the time we were not friends anymore that's how life is sometimes um and they were like oh school here is amazing biology program is decent you should look into it and I was like all right I'll look into it and and like just like I was tired of like putting off my my dream so I was like you know I, I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt I'm gonna see how this is how it goes and like I got um I got in and I got a scholarship I was like it's great okay guess I really am doing this mm-hmm. and then I got there and I was like <laughs> and what university oh. was this <laughs> um it was Black Hill State University in okay. South Florida. yeah I was like oh mm, this is where we are. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I just can't imagine. <laughs> like, I feel like, yeah, I, I feel like Clemson's probably a better place for you to be now. Clemson's <laughs> better, yes. <laughs> yeah. So you had come because of, of your biology program that you were looking to get into. When did you decide you wanted to be a scientist. So you had this love for reptiles growing up and for, I assume other animals as well, but what, when did you decide you wanted to be a scientist and what did that look like as far as in Dominica, like the path, like for education and then specifically higher education, like you're in now? So, um, I've been into biology, like, um, long as I can remember. So when, when we go to high school, I don't know if they've changed it since I've, I've graduated, but when we go to high school, um, we do first, we're going to call them grades. It's just like first form to fifth form. So we do mm-hmm. first form and second form together. Now we go into third form. They ask us like, do you have an idea of what you want to do, what you want to be? So they have these general, um, classes, general groups. So it's like, okay, you're in the science section of third form or like humanities if you want to do like you want to be a lawyer or something like that mm-hmm. so naturally obviously I'm in science it's like okay I'm gonna do science I'm gonna stick with science um and then whenever we got to like pick certain subjects that we would do I'd always pick like the natural sciences natural science based mm-hmm. things and then when we um when I graduated from high school um it's far Victorian <laughs> yeah I heard uh, you say that and I was like that's fucking badass like you were just casually like yeah I was the valedictorian and I was like excuse me no, let's let's give that praise <laughs> god damn um and then we start college so I started college at I, it's it's different back home so the college that we do is like two or three years and you get your associate's degree at the at the end of it mm-hmm. and um, started college 
I obviously was like, okay, well, I'm going to major in biology here. <laughs> and um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know exactly what kind of scientist I wanted to be then. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know, maybe I could work at a zoo because zoos would be cool. My island doesn't have a zoo, but maybe we should have a zoo because that would be fun. That would be fun and nice and great. That'd be cool. And um, I knew that we had the, the forestry and wildlife division back home and they take care of the national parks um, mm-hmm. and the animals that live in the parks and are protected. Um, one of the forestry officers um, who actually have two of his, his books, one of the forestry officers um, has done a lot of work, uh, you know, protecting species and, and investigating what kind of like animals we have on the island. And, you know, I was like, I always thought that would be cool. That'd be so cool if I could do something like that. I don't know if I could do something like that because mm-hmm. um, what I would see on TV is white men doing this. And then, and then there were like men doing it at home. I was like, I don't know if that's something that like a woman typically do. And I'm not sure if, um, you know, I want to trek through the forest all day and, and, and look up species by myself because that doesn't feel very safe. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've definitely been down to like walk around in the forest and like look for things, but like alone, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, so it sounds a little scary to me to do it mm-hmm. by myself. And then like, as like, you know, working at a zoo seems like the option. Um, but I got to Texas after South Dakota and <laughs> I met my, my undergrad advisor, Dr. Watson, who, um, he was actually the one who taught me about like all these different fields that you could be in as a, as, as an animal scientist. And was like, you could do all <laughs> I had no idea because like nobody at home gave me that information because like, I'm, where I was and where what I wanted to do was such a a weird little niche thing that it wasn't like quite something that people had a lot of information about at the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could be an ecologist. You could um, study like this one thing across like different um, animal species. And I was like, you could do that. <laughs> I didn't know people could do. That. I was like, yeah, you could, the like, fuck? specialize one genus. I was like people <laughs> yeah it's like you couldn't even just do like population ecology was like, <laughs> so when you were okay so going back a little bit so when you were in like third form and then you went to, to college and stuff being separated that early into like being interested in sciences right what was the breakdown of of men and women in your classes and then what was the breakdown just in general like was it like, like, were there trends or people pushing you one way or the other as a woman? I, so at first, my, my mother wasn't very, like, keen on this, this path that I wanted to be on. She, she kept telling me, like, you know, you could be a doctor. I was like, I could not be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I could get my doctorate, but. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't want to study medicine. Like, kudos to the people who do study medicine. You're doing great things out there. That's not me, though. That's not um, what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And for a while, she really was just like, "Are you sure you don't want to be a doctor?" Because you <laughs> And I was like, "What if I was a vet? Would that make you happy?" And she was like, "Vets are good. <laughs> <laughs> I could be a vet, but 
no, it wasn't for me. Like I thought about it. I thought about it a lot. And I was like, did you have siblings? Yes. I have a brother and a sister. Okay. So well, older, I'm, I'm the baby. Okay. So where, like, what was the path of your siblings? Like, did they share this passion for animals or passion for science at all? Or were you more of an anomaly in the family? Um, my sister didn't, she, she, she likes learning things. Um, Mm -hmm. she still does. She likes like cool facts and she's like, she knows, um, several species that we have on the island are endemic and she's like oh this is cool it's nice to know that but she's not like into animals um my brother is also not like he's into science in general and learning things as well um Mm -hmm. and he'll like listen to me spout off all these facts and he'll genuinely like listen and like take it in and remember it but he's also not like into animals level that I am but they are just, they are really supportive. So anytime I'm like, so there's this lizard. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my siblings are. It's like, they're very supportive of me and I appreciate it. Both my sisters are like in STEM related fields. My older sister's an engineer, my younger sister's a nurse. So it's like, we all have our weird little niches that we like. And so it's like, I'll listen to my older sister talk about bridges, but then she has to listen about this new tortoise species I was researching the other day. <laughs> It's only fair. It's only fair. Absolutely. It's and then my parents are like, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> like, this is oh, okay. <laughs> so when you, you know, okay, so going back to my original question, geez. So what was the breakdown as far as like in science? Was was it about equal with men and women, or was it did it skew more heavily towards men? So um back home, the there was more girls in all like most of the classes then there were boys mm-hmm. um and then like moving into the science it was kind of equal there because like mm-hmm. finally you had like something that a lot of uh boys wanted to do mm-hmm. um so like the agriculture agriculture is a really big industry um back home as well a lot of people farm or fish because we live on an island um we live mostly on the coast mm-hmm. um the middle of my island is mountain no one lives there really maybe like really small communities but not a lot of people live there um so that was that was something that was included under under that and a lot of people a lot of boys were like okay we want to do this so we're going to go ahead and join this class and it um it was it was pretty even then, but then moving higher up, like when mm-hmm. you got to the higher education parts of it, it's like, oh, I'm one of the only girls here, and we're talking about like dissect, like in South Dakota, we're talking about like dissecting animals and stuff. Um, I've never done a dissection before because we don't do dissections back home. Mm-hmm. So doing a dissection for the first time in South Dakota, um, like all the boys were like really into it. And I was like, I'm really into it too. I've just never done this. Or, uh, it's not it's not me being squeamish and so like um professor even like made a point to say it's like girls if you don't want to get into you don't want to get into this dissection don't worry about it oh um, jesus your best like, <laughs> that's that's I so frustrating I just, i've never done it before yeah oh, like, I, I think that's i think that's very interesting too because i always thought about it i've i've never done dissection i haven't needed to i studied business in school so i didn't really need to but it's almost like, shouldn't we kind of be 
like a little hesitant to do it because it is just like not not that it's gross but it's like as an animal lover I'm always a little hesitant to do anything like that even with my own animals if they pass or something you know and that's that's disheartening that your professor would be like girls don't need to worry about it like oh my god <laughs> he wasn't a great professor to begin with so honestly yeah that point, sounds like, like it. that didn't surprise me when he said it, I was like of course of course he doesn't think that I I'm up for cutting an animal open. Um, like if they, if someone had like murdered the animal, then I'd be like, oh, this is terrible. I don't want to cut it open. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what was it we were cutting open the fir- at first? I forgot what it was, but I know that I eventually did a um, shark dissection. I did my shark dissection in Texas and mm-hmm somebody asked like how did we how do you like should you not be catching sharks why do we have sharks to, and the professor explained that that one was like bycatch like they were catching mm-hmm. fish got caught in the net and it's one of those things where like okay we have this it died before we could get it out and we're gonna donate it to science yeah um, we just like, i'm fine with that <laughs> i went to um an all-girls catholic school where i grew up and we would have um shark dissection day for students who were in these certain biology classes and you could smell it like you would know because yes. it would be <laughs> it's like 8 a.m I'm waiting for my music class and I'm like oh god damn it it's shark dissection because the whole building smelled like sewage and like salty sewage yeah um, I'm teaching a, a shark dissection on Monday actually really yeah so I, so I'm gonna cool. try to find all of my old notes from my shark dissection um, but I'm teaching one on Monday and I'm not looking forward to the smell. Actually, that's what I'm doing today. Later today, I'm going to go to the lab by myself and um, just do the dissection over just so mm-hmm. I remember how it goes and everything before I have to teach it on Monday. That's so cool. So what class are you teaching right now? I'm teaching river biology labs. So um, I have two sections back to back, three hours long. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> I'm on campus from 3.30 to 9.30. So when it, okay, as a PhD student, um, and you're just starting your PhD, is that right? Yes, I started about two weeks ago. (laughs) Oh, God damn, that's exciting. (laughs) So starting two weeks ago, um, how does that work with like teaching a class? Is that part of your credit? Is this something that PhD students are paid for? Do you have to teach a class as part of your PhD study? So you don't have to teach um, as part of a PhD. I am a graduate assistant in, in, Mm. in addition to being a grad student. So with my graduate assistantship, I teach and I get paid for teaching, which is great. Okay. Yeah. You also, um, a lot of schools also waive your tuition or some part of your tuition if you have a graduate assistantship. That's my tip to you. If you want to go to grad school, you shouldn't have to pay to go to grad school. Ask them if they have a graduate assistantship and if they waive part of the tuition or all the tuition of that. And if they say parts and they can't guarantee that they'll like give it to you, don't go. (laughs) I love this. I, I never, I don't post the video of this podcast, but you like give the advice, you tipped your coffee cup and then you took a sip and I'm like, yes, like exactly. That's exactly how you should give advice. Can you see my cat on the couch yes. a little bit? <laughs> I can. And I'm like looking around for my cat. She's being suspiciously quiet. Hey, Ezra. Yeah, that's what, that's how I know he was there. I was like, it's quiet. I don't hear jingling. Where is he? 
Yeah, yeah. I had to put a bell. I had to put a bell on my cat too because she was too sneaky. There she is. Look at her angry face. That's that's just her face. (laughs) It's like that all the time. (laughs) Isn't it awesome? Oh, I love that. <laughs> she's just the she's, she's the sweetest cat in the world. So I adopted her last year. Um, she was 12 years old then, so we think she's about 13 now. And I adopted her because she looked pissed off, and I thought it would be so funny. Are you tired of changing a reptile's UVB light every six months? Well, Vivtech products has the perfect bulb for you. The VivTech SureSun Series UVB and UVA bulb has a typical four-year lifespan with no UVB degradation. That means that your pet will always have the UVB and UVA they need, all while you save up to $400 over the life of the bulb. VivTech, providing a better life for reptiles in our homes and the wild through innovative husbandry. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Um, okay, but going back, I just like talking to you. So that's fair. I I like talking to me too. <laughs> I mean, I I would too. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is fun. Okay. So with the when you eventually made the switch to Texas, okay, I'm an idiot. Is Clemson in Texas? It's in South Carolina. So, so I, where I grew up in U-Haul from Texas to South Carolina. Okay. Here. Okay. I was thinking, I was like, I don't think Clemson's in Texas. So where did you go to school in Texas? Midwestern State University. Okay. And um, with their biology program, you said you got started with a professor there. Um, how did that work as far as he told you these 8 million things, all these different tracks that you could get into as far as biological sciences? When did you start to decide like, okay, I want to study specifically reptiles and then specifically this anole species and really start to like break that down for yourself? Um, at some point, during our first conversation when he was explaining to me the different like paths you could take in science because um he was my advisor so I had to like have a meeting with him and I was telling him like hi I'm Chelsea I'm from Dominica and he's like oh I know Dominica I studied the Zanderley I was like first of all (laughs) first of all you know my island that's that's new that's strange um second of all like he said a null at first, and I was like, a null? I didn't even like, like, I um I knew what the comp like the American common name was, mm-hmm. but um I well English common name because other countries call it that too. Um, but I didn't it it hadn't like stayed with me yet. So he was like a null, and I was like, I know that, but I just don't know from where. And then he said Zandoli, which is the lesser Antillian Creole uh, common name for the lizard. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, <laughs> I know so that lizard. <laughs> that is, what are the odds that he right. studied that? Did he, okay, so this specific species, the, I'm sorry, can you say the Zandoli? Is that what you said? That's the, um, that's the lesser Antillian Creole common name for it on the island. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, uh, it's oculatus. Okay. Me. And is that just endemic to Dominica? Yes. Oh my God. What are the odds? Cause it's wow. Okay. So then obviously like that solidified some like, yeah, this is a good place for me. Yeah. Because he was like, he was like, okay, well I've, I've like, I've worked on, I've, I know your Island. I worked on this. So I was like, okay. All right. Like I listened to him talk about his work. 
And he asked me what I was interested in. He's like, what are questions that you have that you want answered? Like, mm-hmm. that will help you figure out what you want to do. Like, do you like reptiles? He's like, I do like reptiles. And I also like birds. And I, I was like, the reptile, birds are reptiles. <laughs> but so I was like, oh, wait, oh, yeah. True, true, true. Uh, <laughs> and um, I did have a question that was fish related as well. Um, but like, I'm, I'm not as excited about fish. Like no offense to fish. I love fish. They're great. Um, mm-hmm. I've been snorkeling several times. Um, I need to get my like scuba certification so I can actually go scuba diving. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't think like fish research is the thing for me, but like I told him about my fish question. He's like, that's cool. Um, one day, so you don't want to study fish like one day you could like collab with someone who um does know that much about fish and you could probably get that answered um and if you want I can still help you figure that out too it's like really because you're saying one day and I feel like that means like one day when I'm like a graduate out of your lab and you still want to help me that's so cool (laughs) that's phenomenal so when I just can't. Okay. Cause I'd never heard of Dominique Dominica. This literally shouldn't be that hard for me to say, God damn it. <laughs> I never heard of Dominica. So for him to not only have heard of your Island, but also studied animals endemic to your Island is like kismet. So when, when it comes to your journey, like getting started, um, at this university, how does it work as far as your advisors being, are they picked for you? Do you have like a choice? And then when you have your advisor, how does it work getting started with research on their lab? You mean um, Texas or now? Texas, because okay. we'll get to grad school in a minute. Okay. Um, so the, my, like he was picked for me. And um, if you wanted a new advisor, you could um, always get a new advisor like you could mm-hmm. let them know it's like hey I don't think this is the right advisor for me um, they have different ideas for my career path than I do but like talking to my advisor I was like no he's a great he's a great advisor like mm-hmm. he's like yeah so after he told me all the things he's like and if you still feel like working at a zoo is what you want to do because working at a zoo is great I worked at a zoo before he's like I worked at the Dallas Zoo and I still know people there and I can help you uh, figure out how to get into into zoo work and find like a good spot for you and I was like wow this is this is the place for me so what at at the time that he was your advisor what was he studying and how did you get involved in in those projects um so he had a couple uh, other projects that he had like just finished up about um annals that like he did with other um Last year, grad students. I was the first undergrad student that he had go do research. God damn! <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> like what the person? Yeah, it's like perfect. <laughs> um, so they just had a project that they finished up, and it was like the first trip after the hurricane as well. I think was it mm-hmm. the first or the second? Um, but it was like still like it was like there's still like a lot of questions. Um regarding things that happened in hurricane um and you know the presence of a certain eco eco type of the endemic anole like is it still there then you know it was kind of numbers were kind of low in one of these areas we want to make sure that they're still there um as well as like this invasive anole has its range and terror like has its range changed since the hurricane um i don't know if you know hurricane maria was a 
category four mm-hmm. hurricane and um it destroyed all of the forest or like the vast majority of it yeah. so when the sun finally came up the next day came outside like um i live i don't know about a, a 10 ish 10 or less minute drive from um a national park that mm-hmm. has um old english forts um and the the main one that's still standing is called fort Shirley. And um, I've been there on so many school trips because it's right in my hometown. I've been there so many times. I can see from my house, I can see parts of it um, because of there's like been so many trees and forests in the way. I can only see parts of it. The next day after the hurricane, I could see the entire building really clearly. And I could see past the hill as well because mm-hmm. there, all the trees had been broken. Um, so I had a, a really clear view of, of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all since grown back. Uh, but um, like going to one of these sampling sites, I could really clearly see where some of these trees had broken um, and been destroyed and they were dead. They were no longer growing. So they were just like uh, just like skeletons mm-hmm. <laughs> among other living trees. So when you're doing the research, obviously like a hurricane isn't something you plan for in your research. Was there an adjustment into your hypothesis or what you were studying based on the effects of the hurricane? Uh, well, in one of the areas that we did the sampling, we did not expect to see the invasive anole at all um, because mm-hmm. of the habitats that it prefers and the, the environment that it likes, as well as temperatures that it prefers. It was never found in that locality at all. Um, mm-hmm. Since the hurricane, it like opened up a path for it to like end up in that area. And the fact that they were also babies means that they were starting to get comfortable. They were mating. They were having babies in that area but they were still confined to only one part that suited the type of habitat that they liked while, mm-hmm. while the endemic was like further into the forest um, where we expected them to see and they were still really abundant there as well. The study that you're doing, are you looking at certain behaviors? Or are you looking at distribution or are you just kind of observing the interactions between these two annual species? So I'm uh, I did my undergrad research on the dietary niche overlap of the native one on the endemic anole. Uh, prey items being one of those common things that um, two species that occupy the same niche uh, mm-hmm. have competition for. And um, as scientists who want to protect endemic species, because they are only found one place in the world, right. we want to make sure that, you know, okay, we know every facet of their natural history and everything about them. That includes, you know, what do they eat? And is there a hard time for them to find food? Uh, that's something that could kill them. They could die off really quickly if there's there's no food for them to find. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at the dietary niche overlap, like, okay, how much, like, how, how much are they eating the same things in places where they, they both occupy the same niche? And, um, I had a couple ideas <laughs> going into it, like just from things that I I already knew from seeing these animals my whole life. Not mm-hmm. my whole life. The invasive one wasn't there my whole life. But seeing these animals like for the majority of my life, I had a couple ideas about their, their localities. Um, if you don't know anything about animals, uh, Dr. Jonathan Loso's um, described ecomorphs mm-hmm. for animals. And um, quite simply, it's just that different anole species 
occupy different microhabitats according to their body plan, but only in the Caribbean. <laughs> because once you get to mainland and old, they're a little spicy and different. <laughs> With- the Caribbean, they have these like clear cut, like, this is where I live. This is where you live. We can all live in the same tree if we remain in our specific microhabitat. What what is the the thought behind that? What's the reasoning? Um, like with the eco marsh. Yeah, like why would it be such like defined lines, especially with the Caribbean, where it seems to have a more cohesive like uh, you know temperature and weather across one island versus like an entire continent or something. Uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good question. So, um. I know that like with an old ancestors, they they have certain traits and some anoles are closely related. They don't have to be to have the same ecomorph, but some of them are like closely related down at, like you have um, the anoles carolensis series of anoles. Mm -hmm. um, And that means that we hypothesize that these are all closely related to each other. So there's the green anole in America, there's a couple of anoles in the Caribbean that are, closely related to it and they have the same like pointy nose and smarting us um is, <laughs> is this one green anole that has an extra pointy nose it's in that that's in that proposed clade and they all have a similar body type and that body type just helps them navigate better in a certain macro habitat they mm-hmm. kind of go up and down as they please but because of how their bodies are it is better adapted to certain paths of a tree or some of them are better adapted for twigs and grass and bush because Mm -hmm. of that that body plan and that doesn't mean that they don't go anywhere else but it means that this is where they are specialized to be so if there is another anole in the habitat that is where they will default to because you know it's like I'm good here and you're good over there and we can just like you know you know like when you have like kids or like pets that don't really like each other you have to separate them (laughs) Just naturally, yes. they naturally partition. That's what we we call it. Partition. Okay. Naturally partition. Okay, that definitely makes sense. So, with these, with the invasive species, and what what is the name of the invasive species that you're studying? It's Anolis cristatellus. So okay. Crested anole from Puerto Rico. Okay. So, with this crested anole, um, you mentioned that you haven't seen it your whole life. And from my research is that it seemed to have been introduced like in the late nineties, early two thousands. Do they have an understanding of, of how it was introduced? And then also how has it in that, you know, 20 something years since the first introduction, how have you seen an effect on, on the native ecosystem? Yeah, so it was introduced on a shipment of PVC probably, but definitely a shipment. Um, so it, it, there was like a couple on a boat and they, the boat docked and they hopped off and they're like, oh, new land. God, that's insane. <laughs> Love that for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus. And they, they're more aggressive than the endemic anole. Um, I'm not sure if the endemic anole is carnivorous. Some anoles aren't. Um, I don't think it's ever been reported that the endemic anole is, but the invasive one, the crest of anole, actively will eat smaller lizards than it. And that includes its own babies or mm-hmm. uh, oculatus babies. Okay. Um, they're also really feisty. Uh, <laughs> whenever you come across them and you're like, okay, I need to catch this. It's like, 
it's it's the one that's going to be like, I'm going to fight this lasso. I'm going to fight you. I'm going to bite. I'm going to poop everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't oh, like geez. anything you're doing right now. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also like try to fight. Uh, if, if you put it, well, not actively, but if you find two um, anoles on a tree together, like the crested and the um, eyed anole, Mm-hmm. and uh you just observe them for a minute the crested is gonna be like i'm gonna fight this guy i don't like mm-hmm. him on this tree i don't mm-hmm. want him here um this is my spot now <laughs> he has to go <laughs> have you noticed uh, has there been any like observation of crossbreeding within the species so they definitely attempt like the the male crystals definitely attempt to woo the female um oculatus but mm-hmm. it doesn't always work. And then when it has worked, uh, we haven't seen any like offspring from them. Okay. Well, that's a good sign, you know? Yeah. <laughs> They're not hybridizing. <laughs> yeah. So when you are doing this research, um, specifically like going back to your island and, and, and doing the research, what is the, uh, your community's um, reaction to specifically people not from the native area coming and doing research on your animals or coming and and getting involved in the in the habitat and such because I know that with Dominica it is a primarily black uh, community and I, I'm assuming that most researchers coming aren't representing the community as well yeah I was the only black person in <laughs> on my research trip uh, the org that we we worked with for that research trip I was the only black person mm-hmm. um, and I was the only person from the island as well. Mm-hmm. And um, there was definitely different responses to the white people doing the research and to, to me doing the research. So um, a lot of times people would ask me, like it's like other people from the island asked me like, you know, like what, what are you doing? Um, why, why are you catching the lizards? And I would tell them why we catch the lizards and for what. And it'd be more responsive to it coming from me than from someone else, mm-hmm. uh, someone who did not look like them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, initially they would be like, oh, what? But then they're like, you know, it's good that you, you're doing that. Um, it's nice to see. It's definitely a, a very positive response. I've never had like a negative response of like, oh, that's weird. Um, even if they think that it is weird, the fact that it's like, someone that looks like them from the island doing the research and doing the work because they care about the the animals on the island they're like mm-hmm. yeah we like that um but the the general attitude to like people from England or America coming to do research is that um while it is great it's amazing that people are doing research on the on the animals and the, like the flora and fauna that we have on the island it does feel um, invasive. Uh, so even if they they support the fact that it's like, okay, great people are doing research, it's not always that they like the people <laughs> uh, coming to do the research. Um, especially knowing that we have, we have and have had for a long time, we've had like um, forestry officers like Allington James, who has like, who wrote the couple of the books that I have, who have mm-hmm. been, able to do to do this work 
Um, and um, this, there's this man affectionately called Dr. Billy. He doesn't have a doctorate, but he is a bird watcher. He's a renowned bird watcher in the Caribbean. He's from the island and he's very well respected. He knows all the bird species on the island. He's like written a couple of the, 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 the two bird guides that I have. He has like um, written one of them and like co-written the other one. Mm-hmm. he's he's like been doing that work so when we have people from the island who are able to do that it's like okay well can we find some way for more people to do that um because again we know the culture we we know the people we've grown up there um we we understand the attitudes about things and having people who aren't from here come in and just be like, yeah, okay, we're just going to, it's, it's called parachute science. They drop in, they take what they need and they leave. Having people do things like that hasn't um, endeared them to anybody on island at all. So is there a push in academia at all to encourage using um, like people who are experts on the topic native to the area where the animal's being researched? Because um, I know that you kind of fell into it with your uh, researcher, excuse me, your professor that you are working with, but in general across other projects, are you noticing a trend of, of wanting to rely on people from the area to actually help with the research? Yeah, there definitely has been um, that, that trend. Um, and I, I hope it becomes more than just a trend. I think it's really important to acknowledge and to use the, the local knowledge of flora and fauna in the area. Mm-hmm. because we have so many people um, who live on the island who know a lot about the plants and the animals, what herbs you can use for certain things and, and, and not. Um, even in like agricultural practices, they know what works best and what kind of soil works best and when you should do things and when you shouldn't. And a lot of that knowledge is written down. Um, it's just like, you know, you tell somebody they ask you a question and then someone else asks them and they tell it's 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 all oral history and Mm -hmm. um, things that need to be recorded and used and you need to acknowledge that like these people knew it before we even came here and did you know any research and um it seems like we're also like uh updating our definition of what is doing science who can be considered a scientist mm-hmm. um and I think that's really important as well because when you define science a certain way then nobody has done or or has the knowledge of this thing until you have white people from another country come in and take samples and leave mm-hmm. then then finally that's science when um there are, are people who know okay if I do this then this animal is going to to show up I'm going to have this animal here um and it's beneficial for xyz and that Mm -hmm. is science as well it's it's in I guess you could call it informal science if you if you want to but it still is um a type of science yeah Um, like my sister right now has agouti that like agouti is a small mammal (laughs) they're adorable um, she has an agouti that like comes to her yard and eats her passion fruit, the ones that it can reach, and it leaves. And she's like, it's very fat. It's been eating all of my passion fruit. <laughs> and apparently everybody like down the road from her as well, it eats all of it. <laughs> it found the spot. <laughs> it found the best spot. And they like this one person is upset about it. Everybody else is like, 
Agwazi is just living, that's mm-hmm. fine. Like we like they live in an area where you expect the mammal to be. So mm-hmm. they're not surprised that it comes and eats anything. But this one person is really upset about it. They don't want the Agwazi eating any of their fruit. They tried to catch it several times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but everybody, everybody but that one person knew that they, they were going, they were not going to catch it because of how they set the trap. And mm-hmm. um it's just it, it not only is it a clever little mammal little mammal, it's um it's just like the 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 information about how to deal with it mm-hmm. <laughs> as well as just like okay we can either live with it it's a great seed disperser um if we leave it alone and it eats all this fruit it's going to eventually we're going to have more fruit in the area because it um it's eating the fruit and like pooping Mm-hmm. across the street <laughs> all where like you know um somewhere into the forest across the street and that's fine um this one person is not very happy about it but the others understand that it's like okay um eventually we're gonna have more pasture fruit lines mm-hmm. um other kinds of fruit we're fine with that it can't reach the ones at the top we still have all the ones at the top and just like just just small things like that so growing up in general, um, when you, you talked about your interest in animals and your family kind of like respecting animals and such, is there a culture of, of coexisting with the wildlife and like reverence towards wildlife? Cause I know that, you know, where I live, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. We don't really have a very vibrant <laughs> flora or fauna scene now outside of deer, squirrels, things that are more normal, quote unquote, for like the United States. We don't really have anything that exciting. So I was, I grew up like, yeah, don't chase a squirrel, but there wasn't like a reverence for nature or anything. Is that something that you recognized more, especially growing up in an area like the Caribbean that has such a rich natural setting? Yeah, there definitely is, excuse me, there definitely is um, a, a reverence for nature. Um, we we call the island the nature island um, because it is, it has the largest um, area of untouched forest um, for such a small island mm-hmm. um, to our best. Like I told you, like the middle of the island is all like mountains. Yeah, I've been, I have a, I keep looking over at the left screen here because I'm I'm literally on Wikipedia for like everything we're talking about. So I can like be following along the conversation really well. It looks beautiful. I am just saying, holy shit. It looks incredible. Yeah, I miss it. Um, but yeah. we, we have large swaths of untouched forests um, and they are protected. They're like, um, <laughs> if, so if you look at certain parts of the map, you can see like where one national park ends, you have another one starting. Mm-hmm. So um we have all these mountain ranges and, and national parks and we, we definitely protect the forest and we, we know that, you know, a lot of important animals and plants live here. And um, there's definitely that, that respect. Um, I know that the Kalanago people who live on the island as well also have that respect for, for the animals. Um, there are superstitions about certain animals, like about snakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and certain moths, not all moths, but certain moths, um, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, like one or two other animals as well, um, that 
can get them killed. Um, I have seen, we have an endemic species of boa. I have seen it dead. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was really young and I expected it to have fans like some snakes do and it did not. And that, that was something that I Googled. I was like, why don't boa have fans? <laughs> What's happening? And mm-hmm. I learned about, I learned that, I learned that day that different snakes have different kinds of teeth. Fascinating. Um, <laughs> but um, especially if like fishing, uh, don't catch more than you need or more than you think that you can sell mm-hmm. um, because you know you, you fish you catch like enough for your family and enough to to sell to other people for their families and there's 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 definitely that um, important look on on having that balance with um, with nature I think it's so cool to learn about other people's culture in that regard specifically like you live in a small small island it's not easy to avoid the nature if you wanted to. <laughs> so we talked up a lot about your undergraduate research, but now that you've started your, your PhD, um, where are you transitioning your research to sticking within the, uh, the circle of annuls, but where do you see your research going here? That's a really good question. And when I have an answer, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. we'll just scratch that. <laughs> still figuring it out um mm-hmm. luckily it's just my first semester it's my first time out here I'm just trying to trying to figure things out mm-hmm. so um while I'm getting all of the required beginner classes done like they have us doing like professional development and oh my god graduate <laughs> teaching assistant colloquia how do you teach what is happening in your classes like stuff like that that they're having yeah. us while I'm getting that done to figure out what I want to do <laughs> with my research once that's over. That's awesome. So with your PhD program now, I know you're only two weeks into it, but um, what's the breakdown look like as far as men, women, and then like uh, ethnic diversity as well? Um, hmm. I think there's more women in this mm-hmm group of, of graduates nice. women. I'm like trying to think of the, the classes that I've been in. I think definitely, there's definitely more women, uh, which is great. I'm like, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a couple students that there's, I think there's only one other black woman besides me. I don't think mm-hmm. I've noticed another black woman in the class. Yeah, there's only like one other black woman besides me. And then there's like a couple students that are um, South East Asian. Mm-hmm. And then everyone else is white. <laughs> <laughs> No surprise. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's a, a good transition point to talk about all the incredible work you're doing as far as increasing diversity in STEM, specifically in science. Um, can you, to the level that you're comfortable, explain the catalyst of Black Birders Week and how you got involved in this organization and then specifically the um, other Black, uh, is it Black AF and STEM that yeah, so that organization that you've been helping out with. Um, yeah, so after Central Park, we were like, oh, we we need to talk about this and mm-hmm. also celebrate uh, celebrate what it's like being, you know, how how important it is for us being black birders and having that connection with nature. Not just birding, just like being connected to nature in general. Mm-hmm. And um, so we started Black Birders Week. And we didn't expect the response that it got. We were just out here like, let's have, let's let's turn this thing around and let's have fun um, talking about birds and making fun of birds as we always do. <laughs> and mm-hmm. just talking about our experiences. And it 
it blew up. And we we're like, okay, now we really have to get a, let's let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. People are listening. So you're gonna listen. We're gonna we're gonna tell you what it's like and you you need to listen to us. And it was amazing to see um, how many people like showed up and, and tuned in and, and were listening. And I hope are still listening and are still doing the work that we talked about that, that we need to, to do. Um, and then we did it again this year and we had some more conversations and we, we moved away from specifically Central Park, um, but we, we focused more on black joy in nature. What it's like, how much like being outside, finding other people outside, finding that community mm-hmm. and how people can help, um, help us and help other people find that community and be safe um, when you're outdoors. It's really important uh, that you you are able to feel safe when you're outside because nature mm-hmm. is supposed to be for everybody, but for a really long time, um, the everybody you've seen described and pictured um, it was really just like one group of people. <laughs> it mm-hmm. wasn't really everybody. Because you'd see these outdoor ads as well um, for like see, hiking boots and backpacks and just like hiking clothes. And it's like, yeah, out, outdoors is for everybody. Everybody can en- enjoy nature. And it's like a white man, a, a white man with a beard. And he's like, I'm hiking. Or, you know, occasionally a skinny white woman. Yeah. Like, and the gear itself as well can also be really expensive. Mm-hmm. And um, that creates another disparity. It's like, okay, we want people to, to go outside. We want people to be able to, to go enjoy nature. But like for some of the places that you want to go, you can't because you don't have like the gear for it. You, mm-hmm. you don't have the, the ability to um, just get up and go because you're like, okay, well, um, I can't do this hike wearing just sneakers. I only have sneakers. I don't have actual hiking boots, and mm-hmm. I need like actual footwear for this. Um, you want, you need to carry a water bottle. Uh, you're gonna have to hold it because you don't have a backpack, and you put it in, or you don't have a backpack that has um, one of those like bladder things that you can just mm-hmm. like drink from. You have the the hose for it. There's there's a lot of things to consider that some people have never had to think of in their life. Mm-hmm. and that's that's it <laughs> you have never had to think about this in your life and there are people who have to sit and consider every possibility before they could even you know begin to think about like okay well let me go outdoors um like there are people who who unlike me have known their whole lives like oh, there are several different ways I could be a scientist and different things I can do in relation to animal science. I had no clue. And some people just grow up their whole lives knowing that. Okay, so two questions following up on that is, when did you realize you could be a scientist? And what can we do to help encourage other people to recognize that younger? So obviously my focus is, is women who like reptiles, but like looking not only to young women, but people of color in general, how can we um, help to instill that belief and work better as a hobby and then as a community? I know this is like a really lofty question as a hobby and community to like encourage people of color, women of color specifically to get more involved. Um, I think definitely showing um, 
showing people the different kinds of scientists that exist out there, um, mm -hmm. putting that information out there, as well as making sure that you don't make um, any one like white person the face of something. Because mm -hmm. um, to, to you, it might be like, oh yeah, this person is just like really popular for, for doing X thing. But like, as we know from research about representation and how people uh, interpret that, when you make someone the face of something, you're like, okay, here, this is this is the person that does this thing. Other people who don't look like that are gonna feel like, okay, well, does that mean that I can also do this thing? Having a wide range of people who can represent, who accurately represent, who can um, be a part of something, who, who, who are welcome to, you know, learn and, and become a part of something is really important. Um, representation is super important. I feel like people say that all the time and people see it all the time. And mm -hmm. it's just become like a commonplace thing to say, but it's, it, it really is, it, it, that hasn't changed. Representation is super important. I, I also grew up watching anime. And for a long time when I used, to, and I draw my OCs, <laughs> I didn't make them, I didn't make them brown because I never saw brown characters in anime growing up. And I was like, okay, I guess everybody just has to be like light skin. So I guess I'm gonna make them all that color. And mm -hmm. then like getting old, I realized like, oh, they could be any color, can't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. I finally like I, I finally saw like a black person anime. I was like, wait. Wait, they can be oh any all right okay great scrap that all of those I'm gonna throw them away <laughs> like even even writing the fan fiction i will deny ever existed um i Are you on wattpad huh? <laughs> at, at chelsea herps on wattpad <laughs> you will never find it <laughs> I oh, goodness. You for trying but they are they, are, they have been wiped <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I trust you. <laughs> Only existing copies is on a flash drive I have in a locked box somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking that to the grave. <laughs> yes, that and pictures of me in my scene phase. <laughs> oh, geez. Oh, God. Wow, I would. That would be fun to see. <laughs> Every now and then, I like I see where I have them saved, and I'm like, I could be destroyed with this. <laughs> <laughs> But we oh, still keep those me on the internet for like two months. <laughs> I loved that trend where it was like, Are you on TikTok? Uh, yes, but like it's not a Psycom account, it's a private account, so I can just watch my friends' videos. Okay, yeah, and well, videos for fun. Did you see that there was a TikTok trend a couple? months ago actually maybe it was a couple weeks ago honestly tiktok time isn't real i couldn't tell you when any trends were out last but there was a tiktok where it was like show the one picture that your friends will never let you live down and it was like all of these like hilariously bad pictures of people that their friends will like screenshot and like use it as a reaction in the group chat and it's like oh my god i have a couple of those that if they ever got out of our group chat like i would be destroyed <laughs> like it's me with like like one eye open, like other one closed, like, <laughs> like <laughs> all that good no, stuff. No one has pictures of me like that. They don't uh, exist. Every I mean, picture yeah. You have, every picture anybody's going to see of me, I look fabulous. And that is yeah. <laughs> I did. I did write down. Okay. So I have my notes here in front of me. It says your name 
it says grew up in Dominica. And then the next line after that is herpetologist Barbie. That is the next, (laughs) that's the next note I have on you because I know that you always mention that. And I think that's, that's also like an incredible thing that you do is like, I think it's so important to show very effeminate women in STEM too, um, because you really don't have to give up yourself if that's who you are. If you're a very femme presenting person, like that's okay to be and still be like an incredible researcher and still doing super phenomenal work. Like contrary to popular belief, you don't always have to wear khakis, you know? <laughs> and and the, the white men in biology got very upset with me for saying that they don't have to wear khakis either. <laughs> <laughs> They don't. Come on. There's other options. <laughs> we're saying it. I was like, you don't have to stop wearing them if you like them. I was just joking on the internet. Please. <laughs> oh, God, that's too funny. Like, uh, if if people want to look nice while they're doing something, that's completely fine. Like, um, I... My personal philosophy, and I, I know that some people are going to like roll their eyes at this, but my personal philosophy is that I am not going to buy something unless I feel like it fits my aesthetic or that it, or it's cute. Um, okay. Like even just for like things that I own in my house, if I don't like the way that it looks, I'm not going to buy it because I know I'm going to be upset about it and then I'm going to have to replace it and I'm going to spend more money replacing it. Might as well just go ahead and buy the thing that looks the best to me. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that, that carries over to like um, hiking gear. If I don't like the way that it looks, I'm not going to buy it because I'm not going to wear it. And it's not mm-hmm. like me being conceited and it's like, oh, I want to look cute for everyone 24-7. It's just like, no, I just feel really good when I like the way that something I am wearing looks. Mm-hmm. It, it's nothing to do with someone else perceiving me. That's entirely to do with me perceiving me. <laughs> yeah, and it makes a difference. Yeah, like if these hiking pants look really nice, I'm going to want to wear them more and I don't want to wear them all the time. I really don't care what you think about the hiking pants. I like the hiking pants. Mm -hmm. And then you'll go hiking more. Yeah, I'm going to go hiking more because they're comfortable. They do what they need to do. And also they look great. And that's like, that's the plus for me. So um, a lot of people, and I notice that some people still do this. They disparage the idea of Barbie um of of those those dolls that girls play with Mm -hmm. and like you can you can be into different kinds of things you can like going out in the dirt and and grabbing snakes wrestling crocodiles don't wrestle Mm -hmm. crocodiles if that's what you want to do um that doesn't mean that you can't also like like pink and I can't believe that this is a conversation that we're still having Mm-hmm. Um, people can like Barbie dolls they want to and uh, I hope that one day I do get to be a Barbie doll I, don't know be, I would it. buy that Barbie doll I would buy three of them yeah <laughs> they give me one but I'd also buy three and it's like <laughs> yeah it's it's and yet it's funny is that like people shit on Barbie dolls but look at the pop dolls like you know all those pops that people are really into yeah I'm talking about it's yeah. like funny it's like okay well yeah well it's like I don't know like there was the Steve Irwin pop dolls that came out right and those were so popular I, I wonder how popular they would have been if they were Barbies they would not have been as popular they wouldn't yeah it's just like it's, it's just it's clearly the stigma like people have the stigma against things that are feminine yeah that's, that's really all it is like mm-hmm. action figures great Funko Pops amazing Barbie doll 
And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie or pretend like Barbie was a, a great role model for her entire career. Like she was out here. So it was only um, until recently where they, where they, like they made this um, line of Barbies where they're like, okay, we need other body types, different yeah. heights. Mm-hmm. And a wider range of skin tones because they added black dolls, but then they were like all the same shade of brown. They were like, we need more skin tones. And right. they've done that. They've even made um, black albino Barbie dolls and, and Barbie That's dolls awesome. who have disabilities in that line. They've, they've really been expanding it. And that should have been something that they've done recently. But they are realizing it was like, okay, we messed up when we didn't like put in, the, when we didn't add diversity, when we didn't mm-hmm. accurately represent everybody who can. Um, adopt the Barbie mindset of I can be anyone and I can do anything and I can go anywhere Mm -hmm. and that was our mistake and they're I'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) not me choking on my own spit wow (laughs) (laughs) no judgment Um, I've done worse things on the podcast one time I was literally just emphatically saying something I flipped I flipped over 32 ounces of water onto the ground and I just looked at my guest and I was like, keep talking. I muted myself and I was like hands and knees <laughs> cleaning up water because I got too into it. No, that's fair. Sometimes I get really excited about something and then there's like, <laughs> just goes crazy. Well, um, so anyone from Barbie, if you're listening, um, if you want a steminist line of Barbies, right? reach out to Chelsea. <laughs> she can have a little annul. So Chelsea, we're kind of uh, reaching the end of our time. So I just had a couple more things I wanted to to ask you. Um, The first one is, so specifically for people who want to get more involved in advocating for people of color, Black people um, in the Herper community or in the natural community in general, what organizations do you recommend they follow to to learn more about the efforts? Um, Definitely follow my work, Black AF and STEM. Hell yeah. Um, we are we are currently finalizing some organizational things because we're an official org now. And I guess that means you have to do taxes. Like oh gross. Are you sure you want to oh do that? <laughs> we have to do like behind the scenes work. <laughs> <laughs> we had a meeting on Thursday and I was like, taxes. Figure <laughs> 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 that out how to do those. Wow. Um, yeah. I'm not American. I don't understand the process. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> <did> that one. <laughs> uh, no, but definitely follow us on social media. Um, we're getting our schedule together so we can um, just be a little bit more active because we've <laughs> we've been um, a bit busy. So it's been a little quiet, but we promise we have a lot planned and you, you want to follow us and keep in tune with that. And uh, after Black Birders Week, um, a lot of other sci- Black scientists and other fields started up um, their own weeks. And those are just as amazing. And you can follow mm-hmm. um, those orgs as well. Because um, some of them have orgs, some of them just have a Twitter page. And you should definitely follow them as well. Like um, Black in Neuro, Black in Microbiology, Black in mm-hmm. Marine Science. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow Miss Elasmo. Um, which is minorities and shark science. Yes, um, I love that. I love that page. <laughs> yeah, they're they are amazing. Jada is hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody on the team is amazing. They're all like, an amazing group of um, black female scientists. It's just <laughs> <laughs> they're all an amazing group of black scientists, and um, you need to to listen to um, everything that they have to say. Everything that we all have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, something that's really important is remembering to decenter yourself. Um, if you are getting feedback that like, hey, this thing that you did is um, wrong for X, Y, Z reason. Uh, being defensive is not gonna help you. That's not how you grow. And I know that the default reaction is to, to, to be defensive and to try to defend yourself. Um, but the worst thing is not being told that's something that you did with racist. That is not the worst thing in the world that can happen to you. Um, somebody telling you that something that you did was racist is helping you because they could have just ignored you and moved on. Um, nobody talked to you ever again, but like being told like, hey, this is something that you did or said and it's wrong and here's why it's wrong. That is somebody giving you the opportunity to grow. And that is always important. You need, we all need the, the, these opportunities to grow. And um, share any of the events that we have coming up because a lot of times you're like, okay, we're gonna do this and we're gonna have, this is gonna be a forum to talk about things. Like share those with your groups, with your friend groups, with your Facebook groups. And if the mods try to tell you, hey, we don't do politics in this thing, ask them, okay, why is black skin politics? And I just, I would like to know the answer for that. Like, how is being born black political? Mm -hmm. And depending on the answer, like you should be able to go from there. If mm -hmm. you need some pointers on how to go from there, uh, you can ask me, at me on Twitter. <laughs> and I will respond when I can, um, either immediately. Because <laughs> <laughs> Twitter is always open or? <laughs> or two hours later when I finally do open Twitter. <laughs> Yeah. It's either or. I'm either already there and I'm going to immediately respond or I'm not there. <laughs> and you're going to have to wait a weird amount of time until I find one. Well, that, that makes me feel better that you say that because I, um, I definitely, there were moments where like I was already on Twitter and I sent you a message or you had sent me a message and I literally saw that you're typing and I was like, I gotta wait. She can't know that I'm on Twitter right now. <laughs> Well, I will um on Twitter right now. I'm either on Twitter or I'm not on Twitter. You're gonna get the three dots <laughs> Well, I'll make sure to um to tag all of those organizations in the comments of this podcast. So this episode, everything will be there. Um and then also on our Instagram, I'll make sure that we have those highlighted. But Chelsea, um, my last question for you, uh, and I ask this to all my guests, is if a young girl told you that she was interested in getting involved with reptiles or science, what advice do you have for her? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, I would definitely um, tell her to do research into like the different kinds of, of reptiles, um, try to figure out which one you are in love with the best, the, the most. Um, if it's all of them, then you can look up different fields where you can you can find something that you can study that enco encompasses all of these species. But definitely look into different animals, um, how to, to handle them, even though you shouldn't handle them, just, just look up you know all the information that you can, how to handle them, um, what makes them tick, uh, do they have legs? did they ever have legs at any point in time just try to find out as much as you can about um different species and the one that speaks to you the most because you want to work with something that you love and you're passionate about so the one that speaks to you the most um for me it was like seeing the the variation of anoles there's like 430 species 
recognized species. <laughs> There's probably more um, of an old out there. And um, being able to like, set, like see those and then see their dewlaps and, and learn about um, how they work and um, how they speciate and the different like ecomorphs and ecotypes. It's like there's so much, there's so many different facets to this animal. That that that's what did it for me. So for for you, I want you to like go ahead and look up as much as you can. Um, get all the books that you can. If there's people who are currently studying the thing that you're thinking about, uh, see if you can reach out to them and and ask them about how they got into it and what they like about it and why they would recommend it to anybody else. Because usually they have something like that available. Um, any Q and A's that they've done, anything that you can, any pictures that you can find, even just like looking at pictures of them. Because <laughs> looking at pictures, you might come up with a question that you haven't like looked up before. Just as much as you you can like immerse yourself um, in, in that field or in the like figuring out what, um, what the animal is about do that and um, you're going to get to a place where where you're like okay I think I I have enough information to know where I want to move forward that's awesome well Chelsea thank you so much this was like seriously such a pleasure to be able to talk with you um I really enjoyed learning more about you learning more about Dominica and just like all the incredible work that you're doing so if people do want to follow up and they want to learn more or follow you where can they find you your exact address, please. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm at 300 College. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a real street. Wow. Um, we'll, we'll find it. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Chelsea Herbs. Every Thursday at 6 Eastern, we talk about a new annul or mm-hmm. something related to annuls. So check that out. Um, I haven't been tweeting a whole lot recently because I just started my PhD. And you, know, and you just like, moved and like yeah, all this incredible like, stuff. Just, weeks out here. I'm just, yeah. trying <laughs> just trying to survive. Yeah. So I'll, I'll get, I'll get back to tweeting more regularly um, once I have like fully settled down. But I definitely um, say, I talk a lot about science animals on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram, which I also haven't been on a lot recently because I've been busy. But um, my Twitter is at Chelsea Herbs. My Instagram is different for some reason because I thought I made a clever name. It's, at to, <laughs> it's out to Chelsea uh, on Instagram. I thought it was cool and clever. And, you know, I'm thinking maybe I should change it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will link both of those in the description below. Um, so that people can get in touch. Uh, and I will also link your red bubble, like I mentioned, so people can see your awesome art. Um, I do thank have you. These, like specially printed stickers that I, uh, conveniently don't have my water bottle today, weirdly enough to show you, but it's the, it's the, popsicle this anole skull in it yes i saw those.bigcartel.com okay one. perfect i got it specially printed i have to ship it myself and that's how i'm gonna get those order notifications and have a different site for it i'm sorry i have so many sites. check out my link tree like, yeah. <laughs> no i literally yeah check out the link, link tree for sure dot ee slash chelsea herbs and everything is in there uh, even my affiliate link for alice and whittles Awesome Wheels is a hiking boot company. They make sustainable hiking boots um, with recycled and, and sustainably farmed materials. And I love it. So 
use my link to buy some boots that's I'm literally on the website now and it looks like I probably need new boots so well (laughs) they have sandals now too god damn it (laughs) and this is this is a friendly reminder to join my patreon so I can afford boots Uh, (laughs) oh I have patreon as well as chelsea arts slightly different yeah hell yeah (laughs) well chelsea um thank you so much this was truly a pleasure it was so much fun to talk to you learn more about what you do and see your cat which is always a benefit thank you um he went back to the spot he got to say hi so he (laughs) he made an appearance um and thanks to everyone listening. You can give the podcast a follow at Modern Medusa Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me at DeFalco Reptiles on Instagram. And then I've been using the hashtag Modern Medusa Podcast on Twitter if you want to keep up to date with that kind of stuff. So uh, take a look and thank you so much for listening. We'll talk at you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. 